they're beautiful, aren't they? I love seeing how this representation of God coming down to meet us. And today, we speak of the joy of Christ. I don't know about you, I got a lot of joy of having little Mr. Weller reading the, the scriptures today. <laughs> Fill your heart, eh? Yeah. And that story, when you read it, there's, there's so many places where joy leaps off the page. It actually literally says that when uh, the, the womb of Mary meets the womb of Elizabeth, that the baby within Elizabeth jumps for joy. There's a place where it, it speaks of Mary, when she's beginning her song, she says that, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then finally, at the end of the story, when John the Baptist is finally born, it talks about how the, the town reacted. It said, and when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. If there's anything I know about being part of a church, is that it's amazing to share each other's joy. When we see each other rejoice, we rejoice together. Joy is a central part of the Christian story. Joy may be perhaps one of the, the most powerful emotions that a human being can feel. We live for joy. Joy is an experience that once you have it, everyone wants it again. But it can seem so fleeting. So sometimes we just try to, to hold on to that joy. We try to craft our environments, perhaps, to somehow give us experiences of joy. In fact, I saw on the CBC um, this week that the TTC in Toronto is actually trying to craft the new subway stations to give you just a little bit of joy. The power of joy is undeniable. Our government is even trying to, to tap into it for their building projects. What I thought was interesting is, uh, I read underneath that little line underneath, it says, we learn a lot from cathedrals. It's not interesting. They're, they're building and they're kind of learning from cathedrals. Cathedrals somehow has sparked this joy. So even if you get a little tiny fleeting little bit of joy in the subway station, maybe it's from Jesus there. If you ever had any joy... One thing that you recognize is you realize, like, how much more you wanted it. How, how little sometimes it seems that we have it. It teases us. It seizes us with desire, but it always seems to expire. So what is joy? You've asked someone on the street. You look up in a dictionary, the Oxford Dictionary. It would say, the, the word joy is a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. Now, C.S. Lewis took umbrage with that definition. He actually said that sometimes he wonders if all pleasures are not substitutes for joy. Somehow they're just stepping in. When he's speaking about joy and he's speaking about happiness or pleasure, he actually saw them as distinct. He says this, I call it joy, which is here a technical term. It must be sharply distinguished, both from happiness and pleasure. Joy, in my sense has indeed one characteristic and only one that it shares in common with them. The fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. I doubt well whether anyone who has tasted it would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. But then joy is never in our power. And pleasure often is. 
He says he would take one second of joy for 12 hours of pleasure. And he starts to look into joy. He has a book called Surprised by Joy. It's kind of his own autobiography, his experience of, of finding joy. And one thing that he, he recognizes, he says, he believes that joy is actually a longing. It's, it's actually this, this sense of you, you always want this joy. It's actually an innate longing for God. That's what joy is. Joy is actually this sense of it's always looking upward to God. And when you allow that joy, which is always present, that longing for God to actually recognize that there's something beyond this world, that's when joy really starts to take root. This is the power of joy. I would say sometimes pleasures can actually take away your joy. That's why we call them guilty pleasures. Joy is something that we we always long for, but we, we can't conjure it up on our own even though we try. In the Bible, we hear that joy is, is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a gift that, that God has given to us. He's placed it within us. And, and we experience it in this unfathomable way if we follow Jesus. The story of Christmas is the story of joy come down to earth, where God himself, the source of all our joy, realized that humanity was in trouble and the only way our joy would ever return was for him to show up in person. Christmas isn't about candies and toys. It's about God's planning for joy. And so one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his top disciples, explains to us this complicated notion of what joy is in the life of someone who follows Jesus. He says this in 1 Peter 1.6. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. But notice Peter begins by letting us know that he understands we suffer. There's a persecution going on. He understands. He's like, I, I get it. You're rejoicing greatly in this, but you have to suffer a little while. You're going through some really bad stuff. You're seeing your, your friends that used to sit beside you in church. They've been taken and captured by the authorities. You're seeing your friends crucified upside down. I get it. The Christmas story is not a story of joy come easy. It's a realistic story of, of joy in the, in the midst of gory history. It's a story of, of the great joy of the Magi when they see this star that's sitting above where Jesus is placed as a little baby. And yet it's a story 
of a mad king who slaughters every little boy in that town. It's the the joy of a young woman who realizes that she is going to give birth to the Messiah, and yet she has to face the fear of her fiancé dumping her. This is the reality of the story of Christmas. The scriptures never pretend that joy is easy. It tells us that there's joy in the midst of this messiness, the complications of life. It's there, sitting within. The life of a Christian is someone who can rejoice even though life throws us madness and sadness. Somehow our ability to to hold on to hope, onto this joy of Jesus in the midst of our sadness proves that our faith is genuine. We grow when we trust God despite our circumstances. Our joy is made up of a very strong alloy that's called faith. And faith is, is this ability to say, well, we don't see you love you. I don't see you, Jesus, but I believe in you. And somehow, this gives us a joy that's beyond words. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. I don't know why these these words give me comfort as as a Christian when I hear this inexpressible part of this sentence. Maybe it's because there's times in my life when it was really hard for me to feel the joy. Sometimes at certain moments, I would be very hard-pressed to be able to sit down and explain to you my joy. I would not be able to express it to you. There's seasons when, when Christians get depressed. It might be in the midst of a negative medical diagnosis of ourselves or a family member. It might be in the midst of loss. It could be our jobs. It could be our children. It could be postpartum. It could be relationships. What I'm thankful for is that Peter tells us that somehow we still have joy. The joy is within us. It's there. And Jesus came down to give us something, and he gave us joy, and it is within us. It might be really hard to access, it might be impossible to express, but it's there, and it's glorious, and it's waiting for us. And we can be confident in this joy. It it, it is there because it is Jesus. It is the reality of this king come to earth. The thing that gives us this Inexpressible joy is that we have a confidence in Jesus. We, we trust in him. In the midst of all this, he is coming back. In the middle of our troubles, in, in the thickest clouds of darkness, we know he's there. And he's going to make things right someday. It might not make things easy, but this sliver of joy will not be destroyed. It will get through whatever you're going through. You can hold on to it. And I see this, sometimes it blows my mind. If you've been to a Christian funeral, I see happiness in the tears. 
I see a confidence in, in the crying. One of the craziest phenomenons you can see in life is, is laughing at a funeral. <laughs> if you've ever done it, it's, it's complicated. When a young woman laughs at a story she remembers about her deceased mother, or a crowd of old friends just reminiscing about the good times with their beloved lost one. Funerals can be really strange places, can't they? The deep sadness of losing a, a loved one, the great joy at seeing an old friend for the first time in forever. If human emotions are anything, they are complicated. They're intertwined, and we can't always parse them apart. And that's why we know it's true when Peter tells us that you have joy. Even when it's like we're in, in the midst of a depression, it's there. It, it, it's Jesus. And it might take time for us to start to see him properly in the midst of all this. Confidence in Jesus allows us to rejoice somehow in tribulation. but it's often inexpressible. I don't think you have to be able to describe the joy that you have in the midst of the pain. This gives me hope for joy. As I heard Robbins kind of put there, hope for joy. It means when I'm, I was on my knees just weeping for my dad's brain injury. God wasn't asking me to Articulate why well, I'm so happy right now. It's not, that's not what this means. He's there filling my heart with joy to know that my dad is a child of God through Jesus Christ, no matter how this disaster goes. Our faith contradicts everyday experience. That's what faith does. It holds on. I don't see him, but I believe in him. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but I trust in him. The reason for our joy, it says, is our salvation. It, it's, it's being worked out. We're being saved. It's, there's this making of all things right. And what's interesting, it isn't that this, this joy is uh, just future salvation. We'll get to that. It's what God's doing right now. It says, for you are receiving your salvation. This is actually present. You're receiving it even now. In the midst of all, you are receiving salvation. Do you feel it? Sometimes. Sometimes it's harder to feel. But you are constantly receiving the gift of salvation within you. Sometimes I think we just need to let God give us our salvation. Let ourselves receive the salvation. We're running around trying to make ourselves happy, doing this, buying those gifts, watching these shows, these comedians, trying to somehow get a little taste of joy. And part of them might be just to sit and let them give us what we've got. This is why it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's always that you, you might miss it. And sometimes the way to hold, we try to hold on to our joy, right? 
And I think sometimes what we need to do is go, go back to the place and remember what we had before in our joy. Part of the pain that we have when, when you lose someone is, is all the joys you had before with them, right? If you didn't have much joy, the pain might be different. And I believe if we look back, we start to get some joy. Kind of like laughing at a funeral. You start to realize when you look back at what God's done in your life, you remember this, you start to get a little bit of joy. It's kind of, it's kind of like parenting. Some of you are going to laugh at me, but um, sometimes I get overcome by an overwhelming sense of loss as a parent about what's about to happen, of, of impending loss. My oldest is 10. And sometimes I look at him and I'm like, in seven years you're going to university. And, and it really does hit me. I'm like, oh no, like I want to I hold on to it. I remember him as a little, little boy. But the, the sense of loss is based on the joy that I had with him, seeing him as a little kid and as he's growing up, this, this great joy I have in my little boy. And when I find myself kind of looming in the sadness, I need to remember that, that there's this joy. And so I started doing this this week, and I, my mind went back to a video that we took nine years ago of Christmas. I just thought I'd share it for a moment, this, this little bit of joy from my little boy. Besides that kind of perhaps creepiness of him, is he saying die? I'm not sure what he's saying there, but I hope it gave you a little bit of joy. And, and it just reminded me of 
that joy being this, this basis for this whole relationship I have. I, what I remember is that the joy starts to return to me. When I remember who God is and what he's done, what he's given me, the joy starts to swell up in me. I think we need to remember that, to hold on to this joy that God gave us. Why do we lose the joy? Like, why? I, I was thinking about this. I can just give my son a balloon for Christmas now, right? And it's probably not going to work now that he's 10. Why, why did he forget the joy? Why do we as humans forget God? Sometimes it's harder to remember than others. I, I, I get that. Sometimes we don't feel the joy because there's this great tragedy going on. And God understands that. In fact, God wrote entire psalms for us just to, to, to lament, to sing songs of pain and hurt. Most of them usually end in some type of trust or confidence at the end. But there's at least one. There's one that you can sing, and there's, and there's no happy ending to it. So God's given us the songs to sing in our pain. And I believe that we're supposed to give our grief to God in those moments. We're not expected just to put a pretend smile on our face and, and act. But I think sometimes we don't have joy simply because we forget God. We just forgot him. Didn't look to him. Or maybe we get bored. Like some of you might have started getting in, the, in that cliff. Like after a little while, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. The balloon's funny. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's hard to, to hold on to that joy. Why did the thing that used to give me joy now become boring? Why did the balloon become boring to Dominic? And, and I think sometimes the reason we don't have joy isn't just because it's natural. Sometimes it's, it's part of the fall. Sometimes we, we get bored of our joy or bored of our life or bored of God or we forget the joy that's all around us. Because of the fall. G.K. Chesterton says this, and I thought it was a really great observation. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And a grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Maybe God just delights in watching the daisies grow. Maybe God just delights and watching you wake up each morning anew. I pray that we have the heart of the young, that we could always be rejoicing in God, our Savior. 
Always be able to see joy in the, in the simple things, the, the taste of strawberries, the laugh of a child, the hug of a friend, the lilt of a song. The faith we have in Jesus. And so when I think of joy, I've been learning a few things. First of all, Jesus is our joy. He is our joy. He's the source of our joy. And, and maybe we need this, this week just to take a little more time to reflect on Jesus, to let it actually have some, some impact today. Do you remember the joy when you first tasted the sweetness of your Savior? Look at him. Remember him. Cling to him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus bought you. He, he lives in your heart. He, his joy is with you. He came to earth as a little baby to grow, to face a cross so that you might live, so that you could have joy in this life and the one to come. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Jesus is our joy. We want to return to joy. Return to Jesus. The second thing is, the joy is contagious. There's something about joy when you see it in someone else that it just hits your heart. I remember when I went back to England to visit old friends when I had been in England. I actually took Megan. We came over and we were visiting them. And I remember the final time I saw them. We were kind of sitting on the couches and we were looking around and just... Um, and it's one of that kind of bittersweet moment where you're like, oh, I'm so thankful for them, and, but I miss them, and I'm not going to see them. I haven't seen them for, I don't know, it's been like almost 15 years. And, and I, I remember looking at them, and we just kind of started laughing. I started laughing seeing them, right? And then they started laughing, and then I started laughing. And it literally was minutes of us all just laughing, and no one knew why we were laughing, but we were all catching. You know, it was just contagious. And one of us would stop, you stop laughing, and then the other person starts laughing, and then you laugh at their laugh, and it's just, It's contagious. That's what joy does. You can see the videos where it takes over a whole subway car, right, where people just start laughing. There's something about joy that is contagious. There's something about joy when you see it in a little kid's face playing with a balloon. It, it, it sparks something in your heart. And I started thinking about joy and the gift of, of joy to us as Christians. Why, why did God decide to, to, to leave all that he had and actually become a servant hit me. It's contagious. Jesus came here because it gives him joy to give us joy. It's contagious. He actually, God, when he looks down upon us, he has a great joy to see us have joy. Do you think of that, of a God who's just something like, wow, just laughing hard, just loving it. When you're joyous, it gives him joy. And I hope we can give each other joy. We heard that in, in the story there, when, when we have people come alongside us, even in our hardest parts, right, just to be with us. There's somehow that, there's a comfort that comes with that. 
And slowly as we, we come out of our, our darkness, there's a joy that can come and then a joy that returns. And that joy that we feel in other people's lives can become contagious. So don't be shy with your Jesus joy. If he gives you joy, let him give you joy in front of people. There's a, a passage in a, an ancient monk named St. Anselm who I did my doctoral dissertation on. And I just think about this. A thousand years ago, there's this monk just thinking about joy and what it looks like and this contagiousness of joy. And this is what he writes. Where there's such and so great a good, how rich and great must be the joy. If man abandoned in, in all these things, how great would the joy be of his heart, that needy heart, well-versed in, indeed overwhelmed by suffering. Question within yourself, could you hold the joy of such great a bliss? But surely, if another whom you loved in every way as yourself had the same bliss, your joy would be double. For you would rejoice no less for him than for yourself. And if two or three or many more had all the same blessedness, you would rejoice for each of them as much as you do for yourself if you loved each one as you love yourself. So in the perfection of charity, of countless blessed angels and men, where no one loves another any less than he loves himself, they will all rejoice for each other as they do for themselves. If the heart of a man can scarcely hold the joy that comes to him from so great a good, how will it hold so many in such great joys? Insofar as each one loves another, so he will rejoice in the other's good. As in that perfection of happiness, each one will love God incomparably more than he loves either himself or others. And he will rejoice more and without regard in the happiness of God than in that of himself and anyone else. But if they love God with their whole heart, mind, and soul, well, as yet their whole heart, mind, and soul is not equal to the dignity of that love, truly they rejoice with their whole heart, mind, and soul, so that their whole heart, mind, and soul will not suffice for the fullness of their joy. Your joy gives me joy. So my joy doubles with your joy, triples with your joy quadruples with your joy, and it starts to become this beautiful, contagious happiness and joy. Here on earth, it gives me great joy that you have great joy. When I, when I hear you sing, it's, it's, it brings a joy to my heart. Heaven is this infinite feedback loop of inexpressible joy. I can't even hold all the joy that's coming my way. And yet, I'll look at you and I'll be, see how joyful you are, and that will give me extra joy, and then another joy, and that's why the joy will overflow. I can't even hold it all. And that's the third thing, and perhaps the most important thing. Joy is yet to come. Although we have joy now, and sometimes joy that we can't even measure now, it's not the full joy. The salvation of our souls is our joy. Someday Jesus will come back. The dead will be resurrected. Those who believe in him will have an infinite joy before them. More joy is on the way. I don't know about you, that gives me joy. Because I've had some, some great joys I've had in my life here. My wonderful childhood with loving parents. 
the hilarious teenage years I had with my friends, the joy of giving my life to Jesus, my discovering the love of my life, my wife, the inexpressible joy I found at the birth of each of my children, my joy of getting to know you guys, the lovely family at Forest View. This is just the beginning. The gut-wrenching laughter I had when I've seen certain movies, the, the magical joy of a snowball fight with the young and the old at Christmas Eve, the joy of feeling God using my gifts and blessing me with lifelong friends. This is just a foretaste of what's coming. Psalm 35, weeping may come at night, but joy comes in the morning. It's coming. This joy, divine, inexpressible forever, it's coming. And yeah, right now, some of us, I know we're spending a lot of time weeping these days. And, I, and I, it would be impossible to endure if I couldn't say to myself, joy is coming. We have an inside joke at our staff meetings. Well, Cole does. Each year, he keeps reminding us, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Easter is coming. Guess what? Joy is coming. It's coming. It's here. It's almost here. Joy is here. We have it now. It's just getting started, though. And I hope that can give you some, some hope. It's just getting started. The fact that there's more joy to come in the future, I don't know about you, it gives me some joy now. Okay, yes. I can't wait. I have to. Jesus is saying to us, you ain't seen nothing yet. He came to earth. He, he left the royal riches of divinity to enter into humanity so that we could have a future filled with joy. And we could have a present joy within us, a confidence in our Savior. It says in the scriptures that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't know what you're enduring right now, but there is a joy set before you. And so as we come to the table today, we think of this as a, a foretaste of a future of joy. We, we see it as a, a moment to come together and, and to celebrate this future as well as this present reality that God is saving our souls. And so as you come to the table, as you take a piece of the bread and as you take the juice, I just invite you to give a little celebration. Let's offer up to God a little, thank you. Happy birthday. However it is that you want to do it, give God a piece of, a little bit of a celebration. The Jewish people just say, shalomim, whenever they had the peace offering. Give a little expression of joy, saying, God, I'm in the middle of all of this, but yet I will offer up to you an expression of the truth, of the confidence that you are my joy. Let's pray. God, as we come to the table today, 
We're all coming in different places. We're coming in a world that robs us of joy, and yet it can never steal you away. And so I pray we would steal our hearts. We would remember you. We would not be bored of you. You would restore to us the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.